1: third down romance. We'll get into that. Tennessee Power Hour is here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton from the 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. But first, the Vols fade to black. The black unis unveiled with those white helmets. They will be wearing those this week, this Saturday, against South Carolina.
0: Yes, they are. And uh, if you're watching, we're going to show it to you right now. Ever since Josh Heupel got oh, like to Tennessee, it. that there was a black uniform that Tennessee was uh, going to sport at some point. And um, it, look, I, the one thing that jumps out to me, th- they kept the white helmet with the orange tee and put everything in black outline. The stripe down the middle of the helmet, black outline of the power tee. That actually looks better than I expected. Uh, I think the uniform looks sharp. I am a traditionalist when it comes to sports in general. When you have a classic uniform, I want you to wear that uniform. I'm also okay with a once-a-year change-up, whether it be a throwback or a black specialty uniform like this. It's not something I want to see at Tennessee mm-hmm. for two and three home games a year. Right, when right. it's a once-a-year thing, it's fine. The big question I would have is, doesn't this – and I love the dark mode is what they're calling this game, and it's actually the iPhone – little indication that you have switched to dark mode on your phone that goes into it, and that's what they're calling this game is is dark mode, which is pretty clever. Um, Why not do it against Ole Miss at night in Lane Kiffin's return? I don't know if it's a you want to do this in a game you're more likely to win because you don't want the reference point for fans in their minds to be, oh, the black uniforms again in a game that Tennessee lost by three touchdowns, or is it because Lane Kiffin was the only coach to break out black uniforms in Tennessee history. And it's Lane Kiffin coming back to Knoxville. It's almost honoring Lane Kiffin by doing it. Wouldn't you think that's why? They did it against South Carolina also. This game against South Carolina, it was a Halloween game against South Carolina. They wore black uniforms that, by the way, were of awful quality. Pretty sure Tennessee ordered those uniforms from the same place I got that Chinese coffee mug (laughs) at one point. They looked terrible quality-wise. It looked like they just spray-painted their old uniforms black that night. Um, but that was the one time Tennessee's worn black uniforms. I like it. I think it looks good. These I, are I would just sell. question why not wear it on a night game.
1: I it's weird to wear. it I at would noon. prefer it to wear. Yeah, I would like to see it in a night game for the the, the blackout. You, you effect. know, effect. Um, maybe uh, hot take here. I like these better than the smoky grays. Ooh. I, I mean I I, I, I saw the I saw I like the unveil of lot. this. Uh, and maybe it's the helmet paired with. The uniform, because the smoky gray helmet with the smoky gray uniform, people loved it. I like the white with the black outline and the orange.
2: I think these look really good. Really good. Yeah. And I I think that they'll sell like crazy. I like the the helmet
0: is what surprised me. I thought I'd hate the helmet when it was described to me that it was going to be a black outline. But the helmet actually, I think, looks pretty good. Now, that doesn't mean you go away from that normal helmet. Right. I still like the normal helmet more, but... I think it's good for a change-up. And look, it is it is it is a game. It's football. I'm fine with making it fun. The bottom line is go play well, right? For anyone that wants to wear different uniforms or anything else, play well, and then every yes. fan is going to be happy with the uniform. That's If Tennessee goes out and lays an egg and is terrible and loses by two scores to South Carolina, everyone's going to hate the
2: uniform. Yeah, then that uniform is If you go out and you're excited
0: and you play a good game and you play well and you win – then everyone's going to want those uniforms back again. That, that really is the bottom line. Players know that. Coaches know that. If it adds fun to it and a little bit of excitement, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think the world also has moved to a place where we're more okay with, okay, if this is exciting for the college student athlete, whatever. That's, Even the most old curmudgeon-type fans are like, whatever, let them have fun. If this gets them excited to play a game and they want it, let them have it.
2: Unless you're the one school that just doesn't touch it. Like, has Penn State messed around? Has Michigan messed around? And I remember Alabama the one did one school. time,
0: and they, I don't think they've done it since. Yeah. They had some sort of Nike combat uniform that was different one time. It's sacrilegious. It was-
2: like, you know, if you want to be the Yankees of college football and you're one of those programs, that's cool, too. I think Oregon go- takes it too far, you know, but that's their brand.
1: You're also trying to just inject some...
2: Possessed. energy,
1: uh, you know, a boost of personality to it for what would otherwise be just a, a random, like it, Alabama doesn't have to do this. If Alabama went through what Tennessee's gone through over the last 15 years in an era where the recruiting aspect of this is at an all-time high where you unveil these uniforms, uh, you, you, you have the guys come in and model the uniforms and the, the media room goes crazy, they'd be doing it too. Because the players love it.
0: Well, and also, this is just where Tennessee is right now, and there's you know a lot of television options out there. It's not like Tennessee's the CBS 230 game every right, week. Right, right. So if I had my preference, they would wear this on CBS at 230, the way they wore the Smoky Grays and beat Florida in 2016 on CBS at 230 with the most eyeballs possible from a recruiting standpoint on it. But ESPN2 is better than SEC Network. And that also could factor into this. They're on SEC Network against Ole Miss next week. They're on ESPN two against South Carolina yeah, at eleven AM. It's better. also more winnable. I mean, that's that's gotta be a big part of it. You don't want to wear this against Georgia at home and <laughs> lose forty eight nothing, which is likely. You know, you're gonna get beat up yeah, by that I, I game. I also in
1: I also don't buy into the that aspect of it either. Like that, it's about winning and losing. Yeah, I mean, because if if you believe in the the jinx of the uniform, I mean, Tennessee's oh, no, been losing in the orange. No, no, no no no, too. no, 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 no,
0: no, D- no. Don't don't misinterpret me. I'm not saying the uniform is playing into the loss. I'm saying Georgia's defense and Ole Miss's offense <laughs> is playing into a matter of fact loss. At least in one of those games, possibly in the other one. So I'm saying if you want excitement around breaking the uniform out again oh, next year... you want to sell year, a post-game. You want to sell a win. Yeah, you want to so sell a post-game. So they're positioning a in, a, in a place where they're a 10.5-point favorite over South Carolina, game they should win if they play well. Go play well, win. We'll break these puppies out again next year in prime time on CBS if Tennessee starts to improve or in another time slot on ESPN where you're going to have more eyeballs. But again... It's just where they are as a program, you got more eyeballs on ESPN2 than SEC Network, and they're on ESPN2 this week, and even though it's a primetime night game next week, they're on SEC Network.
1: Chad, you made, you made mention earlier this uh, in, in the college football season about the matchup between Kentucky and Missouri mattering. The Tennessee-Missouri win for Josh Heupel is big because as you look forward to what, what, it, what they're capable of possibly achieving now, which is 6-6 six and six, really, uh, and th- this is one of those games they had to have, but because of the scheduling change with Tennessee and w- across the SEC, Georgia has now been moved back to the back half of the season towards the very end. And because of that, they get Kentucky and Vandy ahead of all this. They get South Carolina and Ole Miss now.
0: Vandy still comes Bandy's later. Vandy's after. Yeah.
1: They get Ole Miss and, and Kentucky now. They get South Carolina, Kentucky ahead of Georgia. So, you get, a, you get a nice win on the road against Missouri. You get to now return home and play against South Carolina. You get another game against Kentucky where you feel as though, based on what you saw against Missouri, they should go on the road and compete in Lexington. And you do all that before you get the barn doors blown off against Georgia, which is inevitable no matter when you're playing them. And I'm not saying you get them and you build up to compete against Georgia. I'm just saying you don't have a letdown right after you have a big win, and then it's almost uh, and and mentally a reset. That there is something now that they can build on on what they just did in a dominant fashion against Missouri. Well, and for and now sh- they're, they're now a ten point favorite against South Carolina because of it.
0: Right now you're saying they should win six games. They should. They're going to be favorites in three more games. They're right. three and two. They should win six. Whatever should means. Right. They should. Um, if they beat South Carolina you can start to look at seven possibly because then it's a win over Kentucky or Ole Miss and you get to seven. They're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going to beat Georgia. But I do think that Ole Miss and Kentucky would be winnable on the schedule. And, and again, that they absolutely should beat Vanderbilt, absolutely should beat South, Al- uh, South Alabama. But I'll say this on the flip side. Shane Beamer, based on expectations, came into the season thinking, can we beat one team not named Vandy? They lost to Georgia. No shame in that. They had a shot against Kentucky for much of that game. They fell behind 16-7 to late. They kicked the field goals. They lose 16-10 to at home. They see this Tennessee game as what Josh Heupel got last week. Yeah, They needed a win in the middle of the pack. Tennessee got the blowout win. If South Carolina and Shane Beamer can go to Knoxville and win, suddenly you've got your fan base excited. Boy, we beat Tennessee in year one. I know it's year one for their coach, too, but we went on the road and did it, so... I think it's very important for Beamer also, but for Tennessee's prospects, win this game and you're
1: six and six. Well, and the difference too you're between sitting pretty for six be, and six between the South Carolina aspect and the Tennessee aspect is they're now facing a hot Hendon Hooker versus Tennessee going on the road and facing Bazelak, who has been a letdown. So you have like you have the trajectory of Hooker, who's off the bench and now is the guy. And I think it's important for Heipel too to build off of Missouri with South Carolina and potentially Kentucky, because I think it's imperative that he makes this program, for lack of a better word, sexy to the transfer portal. Because that's that's really where he can That's where you
0: can get good quick. He can undo what happened
1: to him last offseason where he had the the guys that just went on, you know, the merry way to Oklahoma and other programs. He can do an about face with that and get an influx of talent and a, a real jolt to what is a nice base based on what they've shown so far. And again, it's it's a win over Missouri. It's it's not that they won, it's how they won. I thought it was a great win for Heupel and a, a chance to really energize a program against some other teams that they should go on the and go on to compete against, should be better against than maybe what we thought after the pit game.
0: Well, Hendon Hooker said today. When you go on the road to a place like Missouri, there's some great shade, but being respectful about it. He said when you go on the road to a place like Missouri, it really makes you appreciate the home atmosphere you have when you play at Tennessee, because that's a polite way of saying they don't have a great atmosphere right now at Missouri. Speaking of atmosphere, if you win this game against South Carolina, you are hosting Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss at night, and you're 4-2. Not many people saw 4-2 Tennessee going into that game. With two wins already in the SEC, that sets itself up to be a madhouse. And Tennessee doesn't have many opportunities to have a madhouse other than Georgia taking over the stadium this year when they come to town. That has the possibility to be a sellout-type atmosphere at night if they win this week. I still think it's going to be a good crowd for Ole Miss, even if Tennessee slips up here.
1: It's also huge. But beat South Carolina, it's going to be a noise. But that game is guaranteed to be on SEC Network, right? Yes. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Um, no matter it, what, if, there's, it's already been if chosen. there's added hype to it, that helps. That that also adds into the hype of Matt Corral, which boosts the whole level of the game, right? because, well, because that's have, a that's a that's a Heisman type statement game because everyone will be thinking Tennessee is about to go and really challenge Kiffin again.
0: It's also a big recruiting weekend,
1: right? Yeah, you want the best yeah.
0: possible atmosphere when you bring in recruits, and Tennessee will be bringing in a lot of recruits for that Ole Miss game, so. Again, I think Ole Miss is a lot better right now. I think they win that game, but you win this week, and you can set yourself up for a madhouse, Neyland at night type atmosphere, which Tennessee could use. The
1: list is lengthy for the Titans injury report. Ooh, Long and distinguished. Yes, it is. It's
2: hard to read. The type on my screen has to be small because it takes up so much space, but I'll get through it.
1: Also lengthy, uh, some numbers that I'm going to go through that detail tendencies of a love affair on third down for the Tennessee Titans right now. And for the life of me, I, as I go through this, I, I can't explain what we've seen so far through the first four weeks of the season.
0: Prepare to have your mind blown <laughs> by some of these <laughs> facts that Jonathan Hutton's about to present.
1: Uh, straight ahead on Outkick 360. Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360. Coming up, a list of names across the NFL, the entire NFL. We'll compare and contrast. Um, hey, one quick uh, Vols thing to close uh,
0: out our last topic also yeah? on this uh, this dark mode game. Uh, Should have brought up the fact they're bringing Al Wilson back to honor him at this game. Oh, and nice. And that, that coincides with this also. So I think that that could be part of it as well. He will get... A long-standing ovation. He will always be one of the favorite sons of uh, of him. the Vol fan base.
1: Paul, uh, also a list of names. The Titans injury report uh, is lengthy. What, 21
2: 21 players? names on it. Eight of them out. Aaron like the Brewer. Vols transfer list. <laughs> Aaron Brewer with the knee. Jayon Brown with the knee. Tommy Hudson with the ankle. Julio Jones with his hamstring. Brett Kern with the right groin. Taylor Lewan with the toe. Racy McMath with the quad. Nick Westbrook-Akina with the hamstring. They all did not practice. Danico Autry with the hip. Kari Blossengame with the ankle. A.J. Brown with the hamstring. Bud Dupree with his knee. Rashawn Evans with the quad. Sharif Finch with the concussion. Chris Jackson with the shoulder. Ben Jones with the neck. Jeremy McNichols, who we're going to talk about here with the hamstring. Roger Saffold with the concussion. And Jeffrey Simmons with the back, All limited. Caleb Farley with the shoulder, full participation. How about that? Tier Tart with the shoulder, full participation. The Jacksonville Jaguars have four people on their injury report.
1: Uh, that's great news for Caleb Farley. Uh, let's start, start there it's before fun. I get to. well, consider this. We have not seen him play since week one, and that was on special teams, where the score was 38:13.
2: Mop-up time.
1: And He then hurt his shoulder did not go on injured reserve. It's week 5. They could have placed him on injured reserve and returned him 3 weeks later if it was a serious injury. It's I think it's a big sign that he's practicing today because there were going to be some big questions about them hiding him because the guys just simply not good enough and they don't trust him if they didn't place him on IR to begin with and in week 5 he's not even practicing. So,
2: but that's, along those that's lines, good news. It would have made no sense to to, uh, hiding him, uh, I could understand, but uh, on game day, but not practicing him would have made hiding zero, him on game day zero sense. Yeah, but not practicing him would have made zero, uh, zero sense. And he wasn't wasn't practicing. Uh, so. so
1: that's good. And maybe maybe we get to see him. And they sure could have
2: used him against the Jets because no once Chris Jackson goes down and when you have no faith in Elijah Molden, it would have made sense to put him outside ahead of Breon Borders.
0: I mean, what NFL team would ever say, you know, we couldn't use the first round pick at corner? That's, that's true for everyone. That's, this is not, again, we're talking about things that should not even be an option to discuss. That guys you draft are healthy when they come in and ready to go and help a team that should be a contender, especially at a spot of need like that. Anyway, I digress.
2: Hutton's got some dramatic third well, down data.
1: Yeah. To me, there's a lot that stands out here. I want to preface all of this before Titans Twitter gets up in arms over a guy who's been a bright spot for this offense. His name is Jeremy McNichols, okay? This is not about Jeremy McNichols. This is about tendencies and about the fact that when he's on the field, you know what's coming. Um, he's been good. He's, he's converted these screens. I actually have a screen game now with him. I'm not trying to downplay Jeremy McNichols in this offense. They are overusing him to a great extent, though. And they need to pick their spots up better. And that's, I mean, this is, if I can figure this out, defenses are figuring this out. And Tannehill's going to get hurt for it. All right, a list of names, guys. (laughs) You ready for this? I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Bring it. Calvin Ridley, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, Jacoby Myers, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, Najee Harris, Keenan Allen, Jeremy McNichols, Chester Rogers. Those are the players right now after four weeks that rank in the top 10 in third down snaps in the entire NFL. Chester Rogers and Jeremy McNichols rank in the top 10. The Titans have faced 63 third downs through four weeks. Jeremy McNichols has been on the field for 53 of them. Chester Rogers for 52. How many third down carries do you think Jeremy McNichols has? The answer. Maybe
2: three. Maybe one. Zero. No, his carry wasn't on third down. Tricky. They have
1: 17 receptions on third down of the 53 that he's on. Uh, Jeremy McNichols has caught the ball five times. Chester Rogers, top 10 in snaps, has caught the ball five times. 17 catches on third down. Ten of them have been to McNichols or Chester Rogers. Here's the rest. Julio Jones with three. Josh Reynolds with two. Nick Westbrook-Akina with one. And A.J. Brown with one. Those are your third down receptions for the Tennessee Titans in 2021. By the way, Derrick Henry has nine <sighs> third down snaps. Jeremy McNichols has 53. Cam Batson has nine third down snaps. The baddest man in the NFL has been on the field for third down the same amount of time as Cam Batson and four more snaps than Racy McMath on third down. That will never make sense to me. And, you know, there are people that say, oh, it's third down and pass because it's third down and pass. I'm here to say that is not the case. Um, the, the third down numbers, guys, for third down and four yards to gain or less, what is, what's Derrick Henry's average per carry right now, Paul?
2: Uh, five about, yards? About five. I, I can look it up specifically So third right
1: down and four or less. And by the way, let's preface this by saying Derrick Henry is the most explosive player on the Titans roster currently that's healthy.
2: He's one of the most um, explosive players in the he, league.
1: He's your home run threat.
2: He's averaging a 4.5.
1: In third and four or less, third and McNichols has been on the field 11 of 19 instances. Derrick Henry on third and four or less, eight snaps. That is coaching malpractice. You're already, the excuse that we can't run Derrick Henry into the ground, he needs rest. You're already doing that. He's on pace for 481 carries in 2021. And on the most important down, you put McNichols out there. And again, five catches. He's tied for the team lead, third down receptions. Great. When he's on the field, it's a pass.
2: By the way, let me interject there. I asked Tony Dews, the running back coach, specifically about this last week, about is it a Henry Rest thing? Or is it a McNichols skill set thing? And he said it was a McNichols skill set thing. This carve out a role thing that they've asked guys to do. So they're not taking Derrick Henry, according to the running back coach, they're not taking Derrick Henry off the field in these third down situations, the third and short ones. I don't have that big a problem with him being off third and five and longer. But they're not taking him off the field, according to the running back coach, as part of resting him. They're taking him off because they like McNichols. Zero, well, zero carries
1: is, all passes for Jeremy McNichols, even when he's on the field for third and four or
2: less. Yeah, you got to be honest there. You, you, got, you got to be less predictable. But what's their third down conversion rate? On uh, the I'm going to the, I'm get okay. to the
1: team numbers in just a moment. Uh, here's something else that stood out to me, though. Let's go to fourth down. They've, they've attempted eight fourth downs. Chester Rogers has been on the field for all eight, and Jeremy McNichols has had six of the eight snaps. Derrick Henry's been on the field for two. And guess what they did when Henry was on the field for those two snaps? They converted. converted and before both you of ask, it was fourth and long, so Henry was off the field. Wrong. Fourth and one, they faced that one time. Fourth and two, they faced that twice. Fourth and four, two times. Fourth and five, one time, and fourth and ten, two times. But yet, the baddest man, the most lethal weapon you have, is sidelined. This past week, he sidelined on third and four and fourth and four, just standing on the sideline. This is the best player on your roster, and you have a backup in that's telling the entire defense it is a pass because you're not giving him the football for any carries. None. You're just, it, you're not. Um, Hutt, that, my, my that, quick that math on that I hate this because it, it is dictating what they're doing and it's not that hard to figure out
0: but my quick math on the two for two for Derrick Henry on fourth down tells me that that's a they were in 100%, overtime percent that's 100 percent conversion rate with Derrick Henry we saw it this well, week here's the, the one thing I'm versus not 100 percent for those other guys I, shocking I am, I, I
2: am on board with the, all of these themes I will say one thing about fourth fourth down sometimes in two minutes and he's not part of, of a lot of two-minute, which is another argument entirely. But uh, or when they're hurrying, if they convert a third and long, right. or, or they get a third and long into a fourth and short, they're not changing personnel because they're working against the clock. So they can't change, they can't or don't change the personnel. So if they're in a third and eighteen, which he wouldn't be on the field for, and they get sixteen yards, they can't get him on the field for the fourth and two. So in that circumstance, I would say I understand him not being on the field for the fourth and two. So there, there are a couple of those in there I know.
1: Well, let's, I'm just looking at uh, – and that's fair. And not all this is anti what the Titans are doing play calling wise. I'm, 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 I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm thinking, McNichols is on the field. It's third in McNichols. It's time – as a defensive coordinator, and what we saw at the Jets, it is time to light up what has been a bad offensive line yes. – even if, my my, my contention is, even if you complete the pass and you get the first down on third down, it's a win for the defense because you know it's a pass. Even on third and four or less, if McNichols is out there, they're throwing the football. You know it's a pass, and you get to hit Ryan Tannehill. That's a win. Cumulative. Now, let's get to some team stats where they're really uh, staggering compared to last year. So, we remember the Titans started... 4-0 last season, and they're 2-2 two and two now. Um, the stats are nothing like, and we're looking at the offense now, last year compared to this year, through four games. A great snapshot comparison here. Injuries play a factor in all of this, but also down in distance and the sack numbers are glaring. Um, there are some big differences. First, the Titans are scoring seven fewer points per game this season than last year. They went from 6th in the league to they're now tied for 14th. And a bigger topic we can have is, is that going to correct itself? And we've highlighted the, the red zone numerous times this week already. That will continue to be a factor. They had the best red zone touchdown rate in the league over the last two seasons prior to now. And right now they're in the bottom third, and they're settling for field goal. But that's not all that's changed. Another key is to look what they're doing on third down offensively. This season through four games, they're converting just 37% of the time. Last season through four games, they converted 46% of the time. And diving deeper, here's where we find out truly the difference in what they were doing on early downs with Arthur Smith compared to the lack of explosion with what Todd Downing's working with right now. They have faced third and four or more Okay, Third and four-plus, 44 times in four games. And they've converted just 11 of them. So 44 times with that distance is the most in the league. And they have a 25% conversion rate. That, that ranks 25th in the league uh, in that category. So they're, they're awful in those situations, third and four-plus. Last season, a lot more efficient. You're just comparing third and four-plus. They only faced that twenty-five times through four games, third and four plus, to to start their four and zero start. They they converted by the way thirty-two percent. They they had faced less and converted more. But back to this season, forty-three of the forty-four pass plays. You follow me here? Yep. The forty-four plays of third and four plus passes, and Tannehill's been sacked on those forty-four third and four plus, eight times. All of them passes. All of them, the 43 of the 44 have yeah, been passes. 43 of
2: 44. 43 of 44
1: Tannehill has been sacked eight of the 17 times on third and four plus, which is not a staggering number when you think about it because yeah, it's third pass. and long and you're, you're going to bring the heat. McNichols is on the field for this. There is no threat of Derrick Henry. You know, there's, not, there's not even a draw with Henry just to see if you can get eight yards and get your punter some room to run here. Uh, instead, you're taking a sack. That that's, I mean, that's the most, by the way, facing this down to distance. tannehill has been sacked the most in the, among any quarterbacks. Where it's showing itself is their points per drive. It's down from second in the league to start last year, to now 19th this year, nearly a full point. And that shows just how efficient they were last year and how bad inefficient they are right now. Um, Also, you know, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm thinking, okay, why are we seeing certain things? They've played two overtime games. Those things factor into all of this. They've run more plays than any team in the league offensively. And they've run more first down plays than any team in the league. And they've also run more third down plays than any team in the league, which brings us to third down and a big topic. One of the major talking points with me, has been how often Henry's off the field for third down, which is the biggest down right now in the point of contention with this offense. It's why they didn't score touchdowns in the red zone. It was third down inefficiency in the red zone. Henry's not on the field for those snaps. Henry has nine third down snaps, five third down runs, and of the five times they actually turned and gave him the football, he converted. Four of the five times they moved the sticks with Derrick Henry. Jeremy McNichols, 52 snaps that's tied for the most among any running back in the nfl for third down snaps with Najee harris so they're using him like Najee harris and again they're throwing in the football for five five times of the 17 catches but if you break it down in distance with five yards or or more to gain third and mcnichols has been on the field for 42 or 43 plays henry has one snap and it was a run that's just, that's just not consistent enough. And even, even if you don't want to give him the football and you want to give him a breather, put the guy out there. I just think it's very stubborn.
2: It is very stubborn. It's funny because we talked about a flashing light that was going to signal what the Titans were going to do throughout the offseason. We said it was going to be Anthony Ferkser or Jeff Swing because you had tight ends with split skill sets. One who is a pass catcher in Ferkser, one who is a pass blocker in Swain. And that hasn't been the issue here. You're presenting the issue that they're putting their pass catching running back McNichols on the field so predominantly in third down to the point that I don't think it's a thing that is so much a McNichols thing, though clearly it is a McNichols thing. It's a third down thing. It's what they're doing on third down. They're not really running on third down. They're just passing on third down, and he's part of the third and four or less. Third and and four or less,
1: he's been on the field of the nineteen snaps of third and four or less, McNichols has eleven and Henry has eight. That is just I can't explain that to you. You have third it's third and less than Henry's yards per carry average on the season, and he's not even a threat because McNichols is on the field. They know it's a pass on third and four or less.
2: And also, the the most concerning thing to me of everything you've said here is the number of third and four plus. And the number of third and four plus being so high is an indictment of first and second down. They need to be in third and short more often. And And that they're not tells you they're not doing good enough work on first and second down.
0: The most concerning thing to me is that you've got a coach on that team that's actually trying to sell someone on well, you know, we, we need to get him rest or we don't want to run him into the ground. But, well, I'm not. I'm, but I, it's okay to do it on first and second down, but not the, the money down. I'm sorry, but third down. That makes, this just makes no sense. I There's mean,
1: no logical sense. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's first and 10 and you're willing to have Henry take a carry, but on third and three, you're not. That makes no sense to me.
2: Yeah. And on first and 10, I'd like them to go empty once in a while, but they haven't had their damn receivers.
1: I mean, you're not fooling anybody, though, when Henry's on the sideline. That's my point here. It is an obvious pass, no matter the down and distance, when McNichols is out there. They're not handing him the football.
0: Chandler in the YouTube chat says, I honestly would not be one bit surprised if the coaches had no idea of these numbers they have putting out there. They have to. As reluctant as Vrabel and the Titans have been to do anything with analytics, numbers like these probably
1: don't matter to them. I'm not claiming that. No, they know. Um... And if I can figure this out um, and we can pull numbers like this, literally anybody can. Um, but just, just a bright spot uh, as we get into their defense. Uh, the major bright spot. One, one second. Sp- on yeah, go ahead.
2: If you take Jeremy McNichols out mm-hmm. and put Darrington Evans in, who's, by the way, practicing now, so he's in the window for return, if Darrington Evans, who none of us believe in, uh, because he hasn't shown anything yet. But if he were to be the guy that they drafted, with the who lives up to the expectations of what they drafted, I wonder if they might be more prone to hand him the ball in some of these situations, and if he would be less of a tell. He uh, should be a better overall I mean, let's, route let's, runner than McNichols. He should be more of an overall route runner than McNichols. And he should be able to run better than McNeil. He should be a better player well, I than McNeil. Well, I think
0: you're overthinking it. Let's skip right well, you past want the appetizer Henry and get to the, yes. Let's get but, right to the main course. It, it, I don't care about Darren Evans. Third down, Derrick Henry needs to be in the game. Unless it is third and 17, and you're clearly going to get a screen I game disagree going with or something that. else.
2: Uh, over third and four, I'm fine with Derrick Henry out of the game because they are passing. And everybody knows it. Third, third and four under, I, I would like more mystery, which is what Hutton's getting at.
1: Or, or fourth and
2: short. Yeah, fourth and short, absolutely. He should I be it, unless and you again, get stuck again, in personnel. Let's, let's go back
0: to the first point you made, that top ten list yeah. of players on third down. Who are the two guys that are unlike the other eight yeah, on that uh, list? Yeah, obviously. The That's McNichols ridiculous. And Rogers. The Titans have two guys on that list, and it's Jeremy McNichols and Chester Rogers. There is no excuse for that, and that has to change.
2: Well, the Chester Rogers excuse is that damn A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown would be on that list if A.J. Brown was healthy.
1: I I would suspect so, but they're not even throwing in the football when he's healthy on third down. They're giving it to Rogers, who has five catches, and McNichols, who has five. Um, Well, A.J. Brown Brown probably
2: dropped two, and he hasn't been out there for a game and a half.
1: Yeah, 63 third down snaps, and... 17 third-down receptions, 10 of them to Rodgers and McNichols. Again, you don't have to give the football to Henry on every down, but if he's not on the field, the defense knows what you're doing. And when he's on the field, the defense – I mean, the, the guy is on pace for uh, 481 carries, I believe, is the number right now. Yeah. Uh, he's on pace to set a record for the fastest running back to 1,000 yards.
2: You can and, also and,
1: – and, and, you know he's getting the football when he's on the field. Keep him
2: out there. It's also not crazy to run some play action in some of those situations, is it?
1: Which is their bread
2: and butter. Bread and butter.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll dive more into what the, the defense. I do think there are some bright spots uh, diving into some of the numbers. Um, and some of those are on defense. Now, the points allowed are not great, um, but uh, some improvement. And w- w- what did we ask for coming into this season? We wanted to see the defense get adequate and the offense with Just the talent. Thing pick up and now all of a sudden they can't protect their quarterback and, and third and four plus Tannehill of the 17 sacks has been sacked eight times on that down and distance. More coming on Outkick 360. (music) Wrapping up what's been a fun show, Tennessee power hour. We appreciate all of the stations across the Outkick network. You can hit us up on Twitter. At OutKick 360. Paul, uh, we mentioned that the, the injury list is lengthy yet again for the Titans, but uh, good news, A.J. Brown, they could they could use him. They need some explosion to this offense. They need a threat on the outside that's going to get some separation and not work within a box, be confined to a box of 20 yards or less. Here's a guy that can take a catch and run.
2: We don't know what he did beyond uh, individual period, but here are the highlights of uh, individual period for him. I was out there today watching. Here he is against Rob Moore. For those of you listening on the radio, uh, going through the ladder, getting uh, swung at by by Coach Moore as he wears those. If pads, YouTube is listening. Pads this is Paul's video. His arm. Paul's video. <laughs> uh, Keep that yeah. in mind. No and, one else's. We're not and, using anybody else's uh, video. You know, getting swiped at, catching balls on the sideline. Uh, getting leaned on and and breaking off of that to catch passes and looks to be running and cutting pretty smoothly with the troublesome hamstring. So uh, a good start at the very least for uh, A.J. Brown and what a difference he would make. You know, we were saying one of the things about Chester Rogers being so active on third down on your list there is that A.J. Brown's missed a game and a half uh, or a game and a half plus um, this is a guy they need out there, uh, and, and to be able to rely on. And he, it's it's not been the same without him, certainly. So hopefully he can get back. I'd be surprised if he's back this week, but uh, that this is good looking video.
1: You know what? And they, as I say, they lack explosion. One of the reasons why they face third and four plus so much is they lack the explosive plays and beyond just twenty yards. I, I mentioned they only had three pass plays that went for twenty yards or more against the Jets. Meanwhile, we know that the Jets had, what, four big explosive plays that ultimately won them the game. Last year, through four games, the Titans had four plays of 40 yards or more in the passing game. Chunk plays. Big boost plays, right? This year they have one. That was Julio against Seattle.
2: Well... Having the most plays in the league, like you said, and they had two games with a lot of plays. They played a lot of plays in Seattle, both the overtime games. A lot of plays this week against the Jets. That's good, and it's bad. You have that many plays because you're not getting the chunk plays. And then you said you know, they lead the league in first down plays and maybe third down plays? Yes. Well, you'd like some of those first and second down plays to convert and not to get to third down. Even if they're not chunk plays, you'd like to be crossing the sticks, at least. You know, get yourself a 10 or 11-yard play. On first and second down, get 10 yards combined so that you're not on third down. Uh, So if you have the most first-down plays, don't have the most third-down plays.
1: This is very simplistic. I get it. But, you know, the NFL is a one-score league week-to-week normally. Tannehill has 53 more incomplete passes through four games than what he did a year ago. Like it's a that, big number. He threw like 100 and uh, looking at uh, 104 passes through four games last season. This year, 154 already.
2: That's a lot more plays. That's uh, you know almost two more quarters. I don't remember how long the Seattle overtime went. The the New York overtime went uh, uh, almost the whole way, right? Um, so it's more football. A lot more offensive possession, a lot more uh, uh, well, time played with the two overtimes, and then a lot more uh, throws because they're not getting the chunk play.
1: Incomplete passes on top of red zone issues. You know, all this is compiled together. The seventeen sacks, the turnovers. You know, they didn't. They were leading. They were, had a big advantage. They only threw one interception last year through four weeks.
2: You know, and they're going to go to Jacksonville. They're going to win in. Uh, Substantial fashion, and they're going to come. McNichols will be the at us, fantasy
1: player of the year, and
2: they're going to come at us on uh, Sunday post game and and Monday and be like Th- three and two, looking pretty solid. What's what's all the fuss about?
1: I, they, well, fine, right? fine. Don't don't you think? I mean, I I, I hope they do. I, they, I tell they, you what, they I'll should be should treat watching, Jacksonville that way.
0: Uh, the status of Dylan Raidens in this game. <laughs> That's going to tell me a lot. Show it to me. You were announcing bust right away. If, if you saw that offensive line performance and your second-round pick who's completely healthy can't find the field against the Jags on Sunday, you told me everything I need to know about this guy
1: Also, and uh, about your evaluation process to draft let's, him. Let's find out about Julio tomorrow with the injury. So he did not practice today. Um, and just going back a week, A.J. Brown left in the first half and was ruled out. He Came back out in street clothes with a hamstring. But yet they wouldn't even say that Julio Jones had a hamstring issue until midweek where they said that he had tightness but wouldn't disclose why, uh, and he stood on the sideline with his helmet on, but didn't practice today. Let's find out where he is tomorrow. He had the chance to practice tomorrow. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. They need both of them back because that, that provides that spark to go with the punch in the backfield. And when you actually have a thread of A.J. and Julio on second down, Maybe you can get the play action going a bit better because these guys right now, the defense doesn't respect any of the other receivers, including the tight end.
2: I do think one thing that also helps the Titans with the pass rush, never minding if Dylan Radins is capable of suiting up or not, mm-hmm. is that the depth of of uh, quality players on the, f- the defensive front for the Jaguars is not comparable to the Jets, which is a team strength for the Jets. They do have – some quality players up front in New York, if you were to pick what their best unit is, I don't know that that's the case with, uh, Josh Allen is a good player. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think if you're looking at the Jaguars, you don't look at that front and go, ooh, there's some pretty good names up there. You know, I I don't know that I'm, I'm, as concerned for the offensive line, if you're looking at these people saying, you know, if he gets rid of the ball in a timely fashion, if they get a receiver back, um, you know, if they're smarter about it, that um, they're not getting sacked seven times this week.
1: It oh, needs to be one or less, right? Um, that, two, that, two or less, I'd say. Um, we'll get into a, a, some bright spots. It's not all doom and gloom across the entire roster just because they lost to the Jets, believe it or not. Well, I mean, like we'll you're saying, Jeremy
2: McNichols has yeah, done pretty damn well spot. with what he has. He's a bright he's spot. He's just, just overused.
1: Well, it's just obvious what's happening when he's on versus when Henry's there. And when Henry's on the sideline, no matter what the down and distance is, they are throwing the football. That's a huge advantage to the defense.
0: He's also overused, just like whoever's playing ahead of your second round right tackle that you selected.
1: It's third and four, and you're not giving the ball to Henry? The defensive coordinator is thanking the heavens that Jeremy McNichols is going to catch a pass so you can tee off on Tannehill. That's my contention anyway. Tomorrow... Jam-packed show, SEC, NFL, Power Hour, and you. Hope you'll join us for Outkick 360.
2: Please, we implore you, like I'm employing the Yankees, not to re-sign Aaron Boone. Don't block the box, do lock the locks.